Oh, victory! And a green jacket is so, so sweet. And I am certain the sake is still flowing all throughout Japan. And it's wonderful to have, straight from Augusta, Bob Herrick from ESPN.com to talk about this historic, historic win for Hideki Matsuyama. Amazing, Bob. Yeah, I'm a little sad to hear that music, you know. It means probably the last time for a while. It's, uh, you know, it's been kind of, I guess if there was one neat thing, the one good thing about the pandemic is we got to have two masters in five months. Um, and now it's a long wait to the next one. But it sure was a great win for Hideki and, um, you know, kind of a, I think, it, you know, maybe the casual fan doesn't quite get it, but the, in the game of golf, for, for somebody from Japan to win a major, uh, you know, someone from Asia, that has happened already. But, but someone of his stature, you know, Matsuyama is very, very well regarded, highly followed in Japan. You know, his movements are traced. And for him to finally come through and get one is um, is a really big deal. Yes, um, to explain the mad fondness for golf uh, over in Japan. I spent quite a bit of time there in the 90s. And, you know, really, I mean, golfers over there are, are like Elvis. <laughs> you know, it's, and it was interesting to see the pictures of Hideki sitting all by his lonesome in the Atlanta airport at like 6.30 in the morning Monday with nobody around him and probably, you know, 80% of the passers-by having no clue what he accomplished Sunday. The only clue was his green jacket over the back of his chair. It was a pretty priceless <laughs> shot. Yeah, that was funny. Um, you know, especially since on Sunday, uh, Gene Wojciechowski from ESPN asked him if he might sleep in it like Tiger did when he first won it and, Hideki said, uh, oh, no, you know, I, I I think I need to take better care of it. And then he's sort of like, you know, he's sort of carrying it around casually like it's your sweater, draping it over a chair in the airport, you know, probably put it through the bins in security. Uh, but, hey, you know, it's, <laughs> you're right. And, and very few people seem to figure out who that was, which, uh, which I think is even more interesting. Yeah, and it's really uh, significant of – the two different worlds uh, that, you know, I think a number of these international players live in, uh, but particularly, you know, somebody like Hideki, where there's such a, you know, dichotomy of him having, you know, sort of this um, non-recognizable existence here in the States, and literally when you would land in, you know, Tokyo, uh, you would get off the plane like one of the Beatles. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and that's what it is. I mean, and, and the thing about this Masters was that that uh, attention that he normally gets was lacking because because the, the, the limited credentials that were allowed and maybe some of the travel. There were only seven Japanese media, four photographers and three writers, and two of the writers – were baseball writers based in the States. You know, they covered the Japanese baseball players here. 
And so they are not even familiar with golf. Wow. And, and you know, in a weird, in a weird sort of way, maybe that helped, you know, because he wasn't getting the same amount of scrutiny that he would normally get. And, you know, typically after a round, Hideki, this is the same for real, Ishikawa, you know, you get grilled for 15, 20 minutes by 15 or 20 reporters intricately going through his round. It's not personal stuff. It's like they, things that we ask are, you know, are not asked, you know, and, uh, and so I think it, you know, it takes its toll, you know, like if you play badly, they ask them why, you know, stuff like that. And so I, I think maybe not having quite that much was, was, you know, helped him a little bit because, uh, you know, the media scrums I went to that were outside were, were, you know, somewhat, you know, they were just not that fully attended. It was a handful of people, and, uh, you know, he's used to a lot more. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, in in that way, I think the, the stars were lining up for him. I know uh, the other piece of this is, you know, the amazing pressure that is on these players, but particularly, I think, in the Asian culture where there's so much that rides on, uh, you know, sports and these moments. And, um, you know, when he hit that ball over 15, I thought, oh, here we go. You know, I had visions of the next chip going over the green and in the water and, uh, you know, the the whole thing just uh, slipping away in his hands and what that would, right. you know, what that could be like, feel like. And, you know, the fact that he hit that perfect chip to the edge of the fringe, just like Nick Faldo called it on TV, uh, was, you know, really just, uh, I thought, a gutsy, gutsy shot. Yeah, probably underrated. You know, that's no fun from back there. You can't maybe chance landing it on the green. Um, obviously, he doesn't want to go in the water, but he obviously doesn't want to make double either, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, but even so, even with the bogey, the momentum had changed. I mean, Vander had birdied three in a row. Team four, so it might have been a, a 12, 13, 14, 15, and was within two. And, you know, all the momentum on his side – and. Hideki's got to feel, be feeling a bit shaky. And, you know, Xander has all that room on, on 16. It would have been interesting to see what would have happened if he at least just hits it out on the green and makes par. You know, because uh, Hideki was now able to breathe, and he took the very, very conservative route. There was no chance he was going to go left. He didn't mind making a bogey at that point. You know, he's over to the right. He, he three-putted, which was fine. At, in, in, at that at, at that juncture, uh, so um, yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the pressure is immense. It's unlike any of our golfers face. Sure, if they don't do well, they get criticized. But there, it seems to carry a lot more weight and probably a bit unhealthy. You know, uh, the attention, the way they're fawned over. Um, uh, but that's um, you know that's how it is, and that's why that win was so big. Hideki has staying power. You know, he's. He's got a lot of worldwide wins, and, you know, he's got a WGC, and I think he's got six tour wins now. It's been a while. But, uh, you know, I think we expect him to, to add to that. So let's talk about Shoffley and that decision on 16. Um, you know, had 
sort of an up and down round. Started off and um, looked like he was going to let it get away fast. Said he uh, made a mistake and didn't listen to his caddy on, um, I think it was, uh, what hole was it? Number three, the third hole. He had a 33-yard pitch shot and at the par four, and his uh, caddy, you know, suggested, you know, being, being a little cautious, and he said, I tried to bump it. I'm trying to hit this hero hook bounce wedge, and it's going to roll down there to a foot. Never made the green. Turn hard left and rolled down the slope, and he was left with about 25 yards. These are the moments that average golfers go, that's me even though they have no idea how difficult those contours are and the elevations, how severe they are. But he went, uh, yeah. you know, that, that then led to a, a couple of bogeys, and he was seven shots behind before he went on, you know, this uh, birdie run. It's incredible that he actually got close after all that. I mean, you got to give him some credit uh, for that. Uh, you wonder if the pressure was off, uh, but obviously that was a that was a horrible mistake on three. You know, you're up there thinking you're going to make birdie, and uh, you know you should make no worse than par. And for that to happen, <clears throat> you know that's deflating like that, really deflating. So very unfortunate. And uh, you know it's uh, it's golf, right? You know, and then he made a, a nice run. To get back with a chance. And then um, and gets aggressive after Hideki's bogey on 15. I just didn't understand right. that decision. Why wouldn't you force him to make the mistake? And if he knows he's going to have to play safe, especially on that green, which ultimately could lead to an easy three putt, I, I just didn't get the decision to be that aggressive. I get the sense he just feels like he chose the wrong club, um, that there was wind that he didn't gauge and and that he was, you know, uh, that, that if he's, if he's, the shot would have been fine if it weren't for the wind. So, okay, I, I get that. You don't want to be long. Um, but on the other hand, you probably got to aim it a little bit more to the right because if, if, if at least you get it on the green, and if you're right, it's going to funnel down towards the hole. You know, he was kind of dead aim at the pin, and it was going at the pin. It just was short. And, of course, it hit on that bank and went in the water, a killer. You know, he makes triple after that. So, um, yeah, there's, I, you wonder if that was, you know, just bad, a bad read on the club, or was it a bad line? Um you know, and could he have played it out to the right and been on the green? It appears so. You know, so, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, that's major championship golf. There's some, sure there's is. some, uh, you know, there's, there's heat of the moment decisions and, and, and the pressure of the swing doesn't always work out. And as we say, the Masters doesn't start until the back nine on Sunday. And somebody that we've been talking about a bunch on my show, Bob, but now people will know who he is after his amazing, gutsy performance at the Masters, Will Zalatoris, my new favorite golfer, although I have been talking to him for a while, as have you, as he's been rising up 
uh, in terms yep. of points and, and great finishes. Sh- uh, share with my listeners just this remarkable, uh, truly meteoric rise this kid has had. No question. I mean, you know, he's not even a full member of the PGA Tour right now. It's crazy. Um, but it's a technicality because he would have been if the Corn Ferry Tour season hadn't been changed to overlap. Mm. He clearly had earned enough money on the Corn Ferry Tour last year. He's going to be in the top 25. And and that all, you know, when, 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 because of the pandemic, the Tour made the decision that – they weren't going to let anybody lose their card who was on the PGA Tour. Well, so that meant nobody could graduate to the PGA Tour. And they just, they're just they just having sort of a two-year-long uh, corn ferry season to determine that at the end of this year. Well, Zal Torres was way up there. He had had like some sort of crazy run, like 11 straight top 20s or and very high on the on the I mean, he, he might have been leading the money list. I don't even know for sure, but he was not. He was clearly in the top twenty-five with no issues as the season wore on, and it was just going to meld into this season. Uh, but what it did for him was it got him because the U.S. Open didn't have normal qualifying. They decided to take some corn fairy guys as as they did to try to approximate how many might have might have qualified oh, otherwise. That's how it happened. And and so he got into the U.S. Open based on his corn ferry status. So it wasn't for naught. He gets in the U.S. Open and finishes sixth. Okay, so now he's in the U.S. Because he finished sixth, he can play the next week. I believe the next week was Bermuda. You know, and then he had another high finish. And so he got in another tournament. And then all of a sudden, you know, he started to get a sponsor exemption or two. And he was allowed to, you know, the, the way it works is you're allowed to get up to seven if you're a non-member. Well, once you get to the, the status of between 126 and 150 of the year before, then they determine you to be a temporary, uh, uh, it, it's a temporary member. You've got temporary status. So you're not a full member, but it means that you can play and get take, accept unlimited sponsor exemptions. Well, he's never gone back to the Corn Ferry because he's played well enough to earn enough points now that he'll be a fully exempt player in 2021-22. But the problem is right now he's in this bit of limbo, Mm. purgatory, because he's not a full member, which means he won't qualify for the FedEx Cup playoffs, even though he's like 20th in points. Wow. He needs to win. The only way to become a full member is to go through the Corn Ferry thing, the top 25 or the Corn Ferry finals, or you win a tournament. So there's a lot of incentive now for him to try to win a tournament uh, because um, uh, if he can win a tournament, then he becomes a full, a full member. And, and uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of FedEx money that, that he's sort of leaving on the table by not being a member. And this isn't really anybody's fault. You know, this is just how it's set up, uh, and the tour had to make some adjustments last year, but he's he's the guy who sort of has gotten a bit burned by this whole thing. Well, he certainly uh, keeps ratcheting up the confidence meter uh, after his uh, tie for sixth at Wingfoot 
Wingfoot, no less, and now second at the Masters. The RBC Heritage, which uh, the first round is uh, currently underway, and yes, uh, Will Zelatoris is in the field, as is uh, Billy Horschel and um, Dustin Johnson playing, you know, in uh, his backyard. Uh, you know, a, a, a okay field, Bob, considering it's right after the Masters. You've got Matt Kuchar playing and uh, Stuart Sink, who was around um, the leaderboard at the Masters, amazingly, is uh, currently leading with uh, eight under 63. Oh, wow. Good for him. Yeah, you know, he made the cut last week, and that was a good story. You know, he had gotten in because he won the Safeway. Uh, I mean, Stewart's like 47 or 48 years old now, so hadn't played in the Masters for a while. And, uh, you know, good stuff. Uh, it's, uh, it's, been a, it's been an interesting year in that regard with some older guys. You know, Brian Gay played in the Masters. Was, um, Martin Laird made the cut. Older, some older guys, and then you've got obviously all these young guys we've been talking about. So it's been an interesting mix of guys, and and you know I think maybe the one guy we weren't talking about was Hideki. I don't think anybody was talking about him winning the Masters, which just goes to show you how how crazy it can be. Absolutely, and somebody I was really surprised uh, that wasn't in the mix was Lee Westwood. Speaking of the older guys as, at, at, yeah. on Sunday, especially given his uh, record in the Masters and how well he had been playing. Yeah, and, you know, that goes to show, you know, sometimes maybe guys just peak too soon, you know, because he, he uh, you know, he just didn't have it. He was over par early, and, and then it, it just seemed to, you know, he just never seemed to be able to get back on track. And that's unfortunate, obviously, because uh, because it was such a, you know, he, he, he had been on such a nice run there. Well, I was also rooting for my man, Tony Finau, again in the mix. Uh, don't know what it's going to take for him to break through, but we're now uh, just a month out from the PGA Championship out Kiowa Island. You see... Um, in your crystal ball, anybody that that might really favor? Yeah, that's a hard one to predict. You know, that's just such a unique golf course. And, um, uh, you know, it's where Rory won in 2012. I mean, I was just sort of looking at it the other day. Tiger and BJ were tied for the 36-hole lead with Carl Peterson. You know, so it's, so, you know, look, it's been it's been nine years. Crazy to think. That much time has gone by since Rory won that one, and um, you know it's a golf course that has a lot of that has the potential for a lot of wind. It can be very warm, um, you know. It, the, especially the wind I see being the factor. You better be a good ball striker, you know. Uh, and uh, I, you know, the last time in, they had some weather, and and that softened things. So you know, maybe in May there's a chance that they won't. And that was, you know, that was the other big thing about the about the Masters is that we didn't have, the, except for that one hour, we really didn't have any bad weather, and the course was firm for all but that time on Saturday evening. You know, it was firm the whole week up to then, and then again on Sunday, and that was a big difference from what they've been used to over the last several years, and it made it play a lot different. You know, 
the winning score was 10 under compared to 20 under in November. You know, Tiger won, I believe, in, uh, I think Tiger was 13 under, you know, so, uh, uh, and that was a, a somewhat of a soft year too in, in 2019. So conditions mean everything, you know, the, and that sometimes it's not talked about enough, but that's, that was a big factor. But Hideki pretty much won the tournament those last eight holes on Saturday. You know, the, the, the course had softened up a little bit. He took advantage. Other guys had struggles ad- adapting. Yes. And he birdied six of the last eight holes. Yeah, so amazing run. Well, yeah. I, I guess that um, should give some other guys the, the secret to a, to a birdie run like that is go to your car and uh, just uh, play a couple video games, which I think is what Hideki <laughs> did during the break. <laughs> I know it's crazy, crazy to think that. I mean, but you know, hey, he got his mind off of it, and uh, good for him. You know, so. Well, um, the brewing story is going to be Jordan uh, pursuing his career Grand Slam at the PGA Championship, and Jordan finishing uh, tied for third at the Masters. Uh, you know, it's it's looking very promising. I would say, if you're Jordan. It's going to be interesting to see what he does schedule-wise, um, you know, because he feels an obligation to play the Byron Nelson, which is the week before. Um, that suggests that he won't play uh, Quail Hollow, because I'm not sure he wants to play three in a row, although he did that going into the Masters. Um, I don't think he's playing New Orleans next week. Um, if he did play New Orleans, then it would make more sense. He plays New Orleans, um, Byron Nelson, and the PGA. But, uh, you know, so much of it is a lead-up. And, you know, Jordan kind of admitted that he was running out of a little steam on Sunday. Mm. You know, after having won the week before and played That's three right. straight weeks. And, you know, um, you know it's just uh, – it's a fine line there between, you know, playing, playing and competing. And some guys like to do that. And then, but yet how it can take it out of you. And especially going to a course you've not played. So, um, you know, I, I think it should, it's interesting to see how he, what he decides to do because he's been very loyal to, you know, his, his hometown events. He's going to, you know, and then the colonials the week after. So what do you, what do you do? I mean, Right, uh, and then the memorials after that. I mean, you wow. can't play them all. Whew. So, what? Which ones do you skip? And uh, so, it's. Uh, I, I'm curious to see what he what he lays out. Well, uh, we are officially in major season, and uh, you know the Masters being back in April, Bob. I think just gave all of us uh, certainly. Golf fans and people in the business, uh, a big, uh, a big dose of um, just feel-good moments, and the fact that you know we're turning the corner with the coronavirus, and uh, things seem to be returning a little bit to normal. Yeah, it sort of gave us that feeling. It was a decent amount of fans out there. Um, it was a great viewing experience for those who were there. And, uh, uh, you know, but you're right. We're, we're, we're getting closer. Not, you know, still got a little ways to go. 
I was glad to see the tour um, say that they'll let people who are vaccinated not test anymore. I think that's a good um, incentive. You know, and frankly, the more players who get tested, or excuse me, vaccinated, the, the more comfortable they should feel with bringing crowds back. You know, so, um, uh, and also, you know, you think that a good number of people in the crowd will have been vaccinated. And hopefully we're at a point where we can, you know, sometime maybe this summer, you know, get back to the way we're used to seeing things. Absolutely. So um, before we uh, say goodbye, who's going to be your pick to wear the plaid jacket on Sunday at uh, beautiful, beautiful Hilton Head Island? I'm going to go with Webb, who's to defend. You know, he's, he played at another decent tournament last week at the Masters, and, uh, you know, it's a good golf course for him. And so why not, you know, why not go with a guy like him? But uh, obviously we've, we've got all kinds of, all kinds of people like, that, have a, that have a shot at it. Well, that's a, that's a fun golf course. Uh, I think it was the first place I ever bra- broke 80, uh, Bob, when I was a junior golfer and uh, when we were on a on a vacation but it's a, a peak dive beauty like a bowling alley you got to hit it straight and it's going to be a fun one to watch very much so all right bob herrick thank you so much check out all of his great stories at espn.com thank you so much my friend take care thank you